0: This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome to the special edition of the Retail Insider Podcast. This is Retail Insider's Editor-in-Chief, Craig Patterson. We're speaking today to Gary Newbury. He's one of Canada's top retail supply chain strategists and a serial transformation executive. We're also speaking to John McClymont. He's the supply. He's a supply chain and operations professional, um, and we're speaking to both of them today about click and collect and its future in retail. Welcome to the segment, gentlemen. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. Great to be here. So uh, we'll get right into it here. Um, what, are we anticipating click and collect to expand in Canada as uh, COVID nineteen takes hold? And uh, tell me a little bit about the future of uh, click and collect in Canada.
1: You know, cl- click and collect. Um, if it. If it's not going to expand, or if they're not thinking of expanding, it really should expand. I mean, click and collect as an alternative to home delivery to the Amazon-type created expectations uh, really allows Canadian retailers to leverage their brick and mortar, their investments, their their supply chain, the way that it was designed, um, to reach people very, very quickly. You know, there's a lot of discussion about micro fulfillment centers and being able to have uh, your warehouses close to market. The ability to leverage your store inventory and then have that um, near instantaneous. I say that because, you know, ideally it would be same day, but, you know, you can have very short windows for fulfillment uh, is, is a huge opportunity for retailers to take advantage of um, through COVID-19, but, you know, especially after when there's even more free flow of, uh, of movement.
2: Yeah. And I, I would add to that, John, by saying that um, I think the history of multi-channel retailing has been very much to keep, the e-commerce side very separate from the store management side. The stores are, you know, where all the, the action is and the, and, the, and the e-commerce side has been like almost an adjunct to all this. I think click click and collect uh, almost cerebrally or strategically allows the stores to own this part of uh, online and also therefore own the whole proposition. Uh, the home delivery is still one of those things that, you know, one might discover fairly quickly isn't highly profitable.
0: Let's talk a bit about Amazon. Uh, Given that Amazon Prime service uh, is currently showing um, a month delay or sometimes even more, (laughs) as I found out today, for Essentials, um, what kind of strategic opportunities does this provide for Canadian retailers to, you know, kind of get control of their narrative and, uh, uh, you know, be able to, uh, you know, kind of move forward and compete?
2: Yeah, thanks, Craig. It was a great question. And um, who would have thought even two months ago, as as Amazon have compressed the lead time and educated their customers to expect next day from online, that we would be given this opportunity, that Amazon have had to almost stand aside and onto, as as you mentioned, Craig, a month lead time. Who who would have found that to be even acceptable from Amazon? So this is a great opportunity for uh, Canadian retailers who have either no online presence or very underdeveloped or have one, but it's never really been taxed to really step up to the plate and say, Hey, you know, we, we can get it going here with our customers, as long as we actually say and do, and they're aligned. It's when we say and don't do, that's when we have, that's when we're, let's put it this way. We, we may be putting a whole brand when we try and put our brand online because many of our stores are now closed, um, and the only option of revenue is online. When that fails, it's not that we lose a few sales on that day. We may lose that customer for good. So it's really important that as we think about click and collect, um, that we start thinking about what do we say, what's our proposition, and then how are we going to deliver that? So we have a consistency in the consumer's mind developing. Every time they use us, they start to build this pattern. I order it this time, I get it at that time. And there's a reliability, a good feel from a customer's point of view. And that can only build loyalty. You know,
1: to to build a little bit on what um, Gary's saying, that first and, and foremost, like I'm an Amazon fan, right? You know, I, I, I get that they have some challenges and obviously there there's certain practices that, um, you know, are are finding themselves in the media these days. But at the end of the day, you know, despite the, the the challenges they're having, I think they've done an incredible job. I mean, they've been able to really scale up, ramp up. I mean, the reality is um, I'm not sure how many other businesses in the world would have been able to handle a surge uh, and an extended surge like Amazon has. With that said, I, you know, I also think that that's really important to understand. Amazon has been building for this world for 20 years. This is their expertise. This is their bread and butter. This is everything that they've invested in through um, proprietary technology, proprietary warehousing designs, revolutionary warehouse designs with their in and out process. I mean, cutting edge everywhere. And you can see how all of a sudden with that, that surge, it's just taxing the system. You know, they'll get better, they'll find better ways to manage it for sure. But I mean, that in itself should signal um, to other retailers who, who are you know, following what I, I joke a little bit online called a we can do it too strategy about just following the types of things that Amazon is doing because Amazon is so heavily invested and, and created so much of their own world that even now we're seeing you know, some of the bumps there. So the opportunity really then is like, okay, there's their infrastructure. There's everything that they're doing it's not it's not 100% perfect it definitely has its challenges how do i use you know my infrastructure how do i use my expertise how do i use my supply chain to win back this battle and you know now all of a sudden there's a different seat at the table you know as gary was talking about people's expectations with delivery and speed and and certainty and reliability that amazon has created with that um excellent execution of their home delivery. Now, all of a sudden, people are seeing that falter a little bit. Huge opportunity to to shift that discussion and pivot a little bit on the perspective and say, there are other ways that can be equally as convenient or interesting. So despite the challenges of COVID, it's a really great opportunity now that you actually have people's attention in a really captive way.
0: Oh, that is so interesting. And in terms of the customer experience, we'll say for, say, click and collect and curbside pickup, uh, um, what, do you, what would stores have to consider, uh, you know, to, I guess, remain competitive at this time?
1: I'll jump in just a little bit. Gary Gary's probably laughing because he knows I've, I've created a little bit of, a, a, you know, an idea behind why I think Amazon has certain success that they do with people. I think there's a couple of things. First and foremost, just like Amazon did with their direct to home, you know, you have to establish your credibility, your reliability and your certainty. You know, you need to have it just work. You can't say that you're doing click and collect or that you have this service and then it only works half the time or, you know, you're you're only getting one of two products or whatever. Right. So, you know, the first thing is just. That simple execution. I mean, I used to laugh in in my previous roles, for example. You know, the customer really, what they want at the end of the day is really simple. I want what I want when you said I'm going to get it, right? Um, So I think that people really underestimate how hard that can be um, at scale and, and to do it consistently and reliably. So that, you know, that in itself is the first opportunity. Once you're stable, I think there's a whole host of opportunities then about how do you create differentiation and how do you you know how do you create that personalization and that customer contact? How do you do it differently? For me personally, I, I think I would be focusing on my, my, my structure, my reliability, that clean in and out process that I have what you ordered, I told you I have what I ordered. Um, and as COVID you know, hopefully fades away and we get a little bit back uh, towards normalcy, that's when I would start bu- building my differentiation. Well, how am I as one retailer going to do it better than the other retailer? And that, that's like a whole other host of things that you can do to appeal to your customers customers. Gary, what do you think about, you know, that service level aspect and that experience?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, you you, you put your finger on it when when you said that what's the effect of what's in the customer's mind when they deal with you? And are you consistent about that? And that's really important. And as as you dive into differentiated offering beyond COVID, and you start to look at Things like, and you may have records to help you here. Lifetime value. So you have gold. You have gold customers. You may choose to give them gold service. You may give them say, hey, uh, Mr. Jones, you you know, if you want to have your shopping done in in an hour, we will have it ready for you. But maybe the the, the occasional customer it doesn't order much more than say uh, a widget uh, and there's not much money you go well you know you've got a four hour window here and you know as you as you trade more you, you go up the, up the curve but this I think this question's all about trying to influence a consumer to buy with you how do you build loyalty from a consumer's point of view how does a consumer think your operation runs and to, to all intents and purposes, that's how you run, although you, you choose to do something differently inside the store when you're doing the click and collect. But it's having that idea in the customer's mind. I place my order, they run around the store, have it ready for me at this time, You know, at a, a fixed lead time or a certain time in the day always, and then you the customer can actually make integrate that into their day-to-day lifestyle. So I order, say, from Home Depot, and always have it ready for me at 1 o'clock. So I just organize my time around that. And that becomes ingrained into my lifestyle. Sorry, just, just Craig, sorry, I just, I
1: just wanted to, to highlight something. I saw Gary do it and it just kind of spurred the moment. But I don't know if you noticed, but as he was describing that customer experience, he, he just without even thinking, you know, because obviously he appreciates and, and, and understands what could be done there. But he said, oh, Mr. Jones, we have. Right off the bat, that is such a powerful tool and it's such a huge advantage that the online businesses have, right? Their data, the second you sign in, the second you're connected, all of a sudden, all of that data about you, your entire purchase history and your, your activity becomes part of their algorithms for suggesting products and for doing different things. Click and collect as opposed to traditional brick and mortar. You walk into a major retailer today. You're, who, who are you? Like Gary said, are you, are you the, the gold customer, the platinum customer? You, the bronze customer? Are you the, are you the customer that's opportunistic that only goes there based on sale prices or whatever? The point is that you know with click and collect, Mr. Jones, who is Mr. Jones? And from that second, you automatically have the opportunity to decide how that experience is going to go. So anyways, I just, just a quick thought that was right there because it's a really sort of simple and powerful way to blend that human element, that warmth, that, that empathy in that context of having that social exchange while facilitating all of the convenience and still having all of that information so that when the person comes up, how was your day, Mr. Jones? Totally different than walking into a store and being like, go use the self-checkout that we, you know, we're accustomed to today.
2: Or or, or, um, after something, you know, widget. Where is it? Oh, I O thirty two. Get on with it. (laughs) Very personal. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And um, tell me a little bit about, um, what is good speed uh, in terms of uh, click and collect? And I, I had an experience a while ago with a Canadian tire store back when they were open in Ontario, because <laughs> they're now shut down um, temporarily, um, in terms of speed. Because uh, you know when I ordered something, uh, they even said it had arrived, and, and I went to the store and it wasn't ready for me. And I just thought, well, I, I don't really want to, I think, use this again. That was that was annoying. I could have just gone to the shelf and got it myself. But uh, um, what kind of turnaround time are we thinking? You did mention that uh, having a specific window during a day uh, would certainly make sense to give some at least reliability
2: so i, I think that um we, we have to sort of each retailer has its own context its own kind of thing it's working through with its consumers and trying to attract them in and it may be that uh, a a particular segment of a market wants the reliability of having it in a you know between two and four you place your order this time you get it between two and four or it may say place your order now and you'll get it in an hour you can pick it up in an hour or, or some variant around now and there's probably a few others I've, I've, I've overlooked so speed I think more importantly it's not speed it's consistency so if I'm going to say it's an hour uh, unless you order 2,000 components in which case there's no way your know, whole team of pickers could actually pick 2,000 in an hour kind of thing so um, within the framework of what is the kind of what we call order thickness? How, how how many lines are you going to pick? As long as you hit a certain boundary within that, and if if a, if the customer we're trying to appeal to is like an urgent, do it now, do it now kind of person, or or, or you know they're looking for ordering at five o'clock in you know just sort of leaving the office and then want to pick it up on the way home after he struggled down the four hundred one and and um, you know for six thirty. It, we just the, the retailer just has to understand what that that perception of time is, and then frame that correctly in a, in a way that the, the language that a consumer will kind of understand and appreciate, and and again build loyalty around. So, John, do you have a?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, speed, speed is an interesting thing because at the end of the day, um, I, don't, I don't believe speed is everything that we've made it out to be. To me right now, speed and delivery is probably a little bit like the CPU wars that we saw you know, back through the, the late 90s and early 2000s, right? I think that there's a perception you know, in like digital cameras that more megapixels means better. A faster CPU clock speed means better. Um, faster delivery speed just means that I'm better. I, and and I think that that's the way a lot of the, you know, the industry has been going because, you know, that's a, that's a bit of a model That's things that people either understand or they can, I think really what it comes down to is understanding what does your customer need? What do they want? Some customers, you know, you have to appreciate, Hey, I'm competing with them either coming in the store or they want, they, they do want it right now. They will want it same day. They will want it within an hour or two because that's what they're used to when they're being able to go into the store. Some people though, um, just maybe want it when they want it. And I think that that, you know, tying that back to the idea of customer experience is another opportunity for click and collect. I might be sitting down and say, Oh, you know what? I really have to pick up that product. You know what? I know I'm going to so-and-so's house on Friday. There's one that I pass all the time. Today is Tuesday. I want to set it up to pick up Friday, you know, between six and eight. That is you know so speed is is one alternative i think really what it is is how do you better meet your customer's needs. How do you meet them where they want you to be? How are you delivering, executing when they want you to execute? And, and I think that's the whole idea of customer experience is that if that's what you need, Mr. Customer, then that's what I'm gonna do, right? If I need to hold it for three days, then I'm gonna hold it for three days because you've already told me you wanna buy it. So I, I think that there's a, there, there's an interesting play between speed. So you, know, you have to be able to do it quickly if that's what a customer wants. I don't necessarily think that an entire system should be based on every order being ready in an hour. Because if I place an order for click and collect at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m., and I've got my full workday ahead of me, I'm probably not gonna go there until six o'clock or seven o'clock anyway. Um, So I really think it's about how do I complement my customer's lifestyle, their routine? How am I most convenient for them?
2: So that's my, my take on speed. I think that just to build on the point that John, John makes uh, as, as, as we're kind of thinking out aloud is that uh, maybe the option is that there's a standard expectation or standard service, but you can vary it. So, for example, if I order on Monday because I know I'm going somewhere on Friday and I'll pick it on the way home. You just, the, the retail has to enable that op- as an option. That doesn't mean that we wait until the last minute to pick it. We might, you know, if we've got the resource around us, we may go and pick it. And as long as we've got somewhere to store it and to locate it so we know where that order is when we need it, um, then so be it. And it may be that the the compromise between all this or the benefit of all this is that within the... um, order taking process we we give the consumer some options outside you know beyond our physical handling time so uh, physical handling time might say we could do it in an hour but we don't do anything less than an hour or, we could do it in two hours nothing less than two hours but after that if you want to come in at any time that we're open and, and offer this service you tell us what day and what time you want to pick it up yeah i
1: think i think where speed is is the most crucial in that whole process isn't necessarily your speed to deliver, to put that in their hands. I think the the speed to confirmation and to security is really where then that could be a, a big differentiator, right? If I make my order and within 15 minutes or 20 minutes, you're confirming to me, I've got that for you. That I think is important, right? I mean, I don't want to, you know, I, I made a, a, a click and collect order from from a tech store. And, you know, I, I did the purchase. Two hours later, I went into the store. They, you know, they say, oh, you know, we, we have to send you the email first. It's like, listen, there's no reason you shouldn't have been able to just go grab that item off the shelf in two hours. So I think that's where speed is important. And then, like Gary said, after that, it becomes how then do I best serve you? What's most convenient? What's the, what's the best way that I can complement your lifestyle, your schedule, okay. your routine.
0: Excellent. I'm thinking about the store design. Um, you know, Canadian tire has these kind of tower things that, uh, they've got for click and collect some stores, uh, you can drive outside and they'll bring it to you type of thing. Uh, um, how should retailers kind of look at the design of their stores, you know, say car parking, entrances, you know, interaction, uh, which I think goes to customer service and general layout. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, the store itself and, and how it should deal with click and collect.
1: Well, uh, I'll jump in, Gary, and then, you know, going, you know, obviously, I think that there's a couple of things. One, I, I think it needs to be a key and integral part to any new store design, right? Um, the, if really figuring out how they're going to master that flow in the way that they want to marshal people. Um, the challenge that you're going to find with most retailers is, one, they already have a lot of infrastructure that, you know, they're not necessarily going to invest tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars in massive CapEx. Um, Or they they may just be constrained because of the fact that they want to put a particular store, maybe a smaller format store in in a very specific area, for example, bottom of a condominium or whatever, right? Um, You know, I I think at the end of the day, that's one of the more challenging aspects because you really have to understand, okay, what's my geography? What is my type of customer or, you know, the, the, the biggest type of segment of customer that I see and manage it? for me, it comes down to how do you effectively create a good flow? Um, If you have the ability to design properly separate entrance, maybe separate kind of counter, you know, kind of like the way a restaurant might have a takeout window area that, you know, you can do some really great things, you know, barring that how you get as close as you can to servicing people quickly without um, making it annoying.
2: Gary. Thanks, John. I, I think I've got an interesting transition period here uh, to get to exactly where, where you're where you're going for because at the moment if we take a home depot a Canadian tower, whatever, nobody's coming into the store except for staff. so but in a normal world <laughs> we wouldn't have this luxury of space. But we have right now for a number of weeks, it could be a couple of months, who knows? And we could actually, at store level, and, and we know when we say Canadian type, we're all franchises. So each store will be very kind of personalized to its resourcing plan, how its management chooses to, to execute against this. But if nobody's coming into a store apart from staff, and we have the systems and the processes that help us through this and allow us to get very clear instructions about Mr. Jones, Mr. Smith, Mrs. you know, MacArthur whatever. We can organize our space. We can actually take out the till area or, or re it and take all the in all the, uh, caps and all the baskets out the way and say, this is our space. We're actually going to get masking tape and lay it all out because we can take masking tape up and change it around. We don't have any customers in the store. So in the store end, we can actually create space in-store to allow us to eff- effectively work out what's the best way to, to uh, organize and execute, click and collect while we have this window, and then learn from that very quickly to get to some of the points that John's made. Similarly, on the outside of the store, the car parking arrangements, well, we won't have anybody come into the store to park. We'll have people come into the store to do curbside pickup. So we can actually effectively scrub out. We wouldn't want to scrub out, but we're of to like, ignore all the current grid parking slots and actually think we we probably could get some metal gates and some signage to actually direct the cars of people uh, customers vehicles to come into a certain sequence now how would we you know i was trying to think about this earlier on how would we help the customer to tell us without having to phone us up forgetting the number and all that kind of stuff how would they tell us they are in 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 our vicinity. Now we could do this either in and sort of the very simple idea was like when you go to I guess the doctor's appointment, you, you pull a ticket down and it gives you a number and you wait for the number to come up and you and, and you park yourself and present yourself to the doctor when that number's arriving or in a bank or whatever it might be. Now we need the sort of technology version of that. So when the when the, the customer's vehicle turns up, they scan something with their mobile because it's with high tech, and that alerts somebody in the store to say, Oh, Mr. Jones has just arrived and he has some kind of a number that he has to kind of sequence himself into the queue of cars and there may be nobody there may be two or three cars there and then somebody inside the store picks the order up and literally comes out the store Mr Jones may have already got his trunk open or not but the the goods are deposited in the trunk and then the trunk's slammed and the customer's done. So I think we, when we went to, to John's point about flow, we need to look at the whole flow of this. How is this all going to coordinate? Because I can tell you my experience with another retailer who isn't already been named, was absolutely uncoordinated. I, and this wasn't a retailer that was doing a mad scramble to get e-commerce up and running. This was somebody who had uh, been operating Click and Collect uh, for a couple of years. So it should have been a completely painless experience. It wasn't.
1: So, and, you know, Craig, just to, to come back, you know, speaking about what could you do, but let's say you don't want to change anything with your store and I want to execute click and collect today significantly better than is done today. You know, what Gary talked about with technology or, or saying, oh, how would you do that? You know, some people might hear that and be like, oh, see, you got to develop all kinds of stuff. Not true. All of this technology is already readily available, right? If I were designing click and collect, if I was working for a major retailer today and I, and my job was to wow a customer on that experience. Here's, you know, here's exactly what I would do. My app would be registered from, from the time that they say that they're coming to pick it up, you know, on, on their time window, I'm registering their location on the phone. When they get into my car parking lot, it's automatically gonna send a message inside that um, that, that they've arrived or that they're within five minutes. I mean, the reality is all of this ETA type information is readily available and calculable these days. Next, in my, in my uh, parking lot, I would just do what the parking companies are already doing. I would have my spots pre-numbered with the signs right in front. So as I pull up as a customer, I pull into the spot. I look to the sign in front of me. I go into the app. I click that I'm, I'm picking up. I put in my parking spot number. Done. I, I just hit send. No calls, no nothing. The store should already be alerted to the fact that I've, I've been on my way and that I've already initiated the pickup process from a while ago. That transaction should be seamless. They, they, they could be doing that within minutes. Clean, simple, and you just wow people in and out. Um, and that technology is all available today from stuff that people are regularly exposed to, like Uber and parking applications, uh, and you know the, the stores' individual uh, apps already.
0: Excellent. So um, while I was recording, uh, we're recording this podcast, funny enough, I was actually shopping on uh, the Zara website and bought a few things, and they're going to be delivered to my home. <laughs> um, what do we think about the future of click and collect, where say the consumers would have to go? to the store to either pick something up or get it on on a a curbside delivery. Uh, We've seen contactless uh, deliveries being promoted quite a bit, or at least I've been getting a lot of pitches. Um, Tell me a little bit about the future of uh, click and collect uh, and why we talked about the profitability lack thereof, um, you know, with larger retailers or any retailer trying to actually do home delivery. Um, Would would you think there's gonna be a balance or what do you see in terms of the future for, uh, you know, the click and collect in Canada?
1: Um, You know, look, the the reality is home delivery is always going to be there. I think the, 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 the danger or the warning sign is to be very, very careful and mindful of becoming transactional, right? If at the end of the day, all you are is shipping brown boxes and you don't have any particular pull or connection with your customer, you know, what, what happens then if you're if you're the manufacturer and now you want to sell through multiple channels? Or what if you, you feel that you have to go into other areas? Um, you know, Click and Collect also, I think, has a huge opportunity for... Um, you know, those types of things where people want to um, either support local, right? Because, I mean, whether it's a big retailer or not, you know, the people working in those stores are all part of your local community. Um, there's a lot of items, honestly, that the economics of it just don't make sense. They might be fine in a bundle, but in small quantities, um, You know, they're they're exceptionally challenging, you know, and I think the other thing that we have to be mindful of, too, is sustainability, right? Everyone is talking about the environment and climate change and the impact on our planet. The amount of trucks that you would need in your neighborhoods um, to deliver at a huge, you know, let's say let's say that 50 or 60 percent of shopping was all home delivery. And home delivery is the least efficient way you can do anything because you're making very, very small item drops most of the time to one unit. How many streets, how many, how many houses are on your street? How many streets are in your neighborhood and how many neighborhoods are just like yours? How many trucks do you need? How many drivers do you need? And you know, how much infrastructure do you really need? Do you want a warehouse at every corner? Um, You know, there's a whole piece to the economics behind online shopping for, for suppliers that I, I think is a whole different kind of discussion. But, you know, I think that people, You know, they like to shop. They like to have a little bit of autonomy. They like to still have that connection to the store. I think Click & Collect then allows them the opportunity to still leverage that experience, something that they maybe saw last time or whatever, get the convenience that online is often providing. but with you know a little bit more safety security, they know that they're going to get the product. It's going to be a little bit easier on the planet because you're not shipping boxes and driving trucks around, um, you know, at, with the same low density. So I, I think that there's opportunities there. Um, but you know, look online. People people love the idea of just not even having to think. And Amazon is doing a great job with things like Alexa, right, where they're going to even further condition people just to ask for an item and never think about it until it shows up on the doorstep. So it's an interesting space, but I do feel that the click and collect still gives retailers a better opportunity to manage their customer experience, which I think is going to become more and more important in a world that's moving more transactional.
2: Yeah. I think, but um, to a to point that we, we've talked about uh, earlier, that um, this whole connection and building loyalty. Sometimes I can go and go to a store to shop to do some epistemic shopping, look around and see what we've got, do some impulse shopping, which is obviously high on the list of most retailers. But also I, I can actually skip over that and integrate it into some kind of path or route that I've got on that day by just saying I I, I like to go in a store, but actually I just want to pick it up. I don't want to hustle going to the store and all that. Lot. I'll just pick up my stuff. And Earlier, I mentioned that it's a way of bringing the store management and the online crew together so that the store own this operation. And I think that's been the big big, um, disconnect for me um, uh, in terms of retailing is that the multi-channel silo thing still applies because you've got the bright young things in the digital and the fulfillment of that. And you've got the you know the mainstay of stores so if we can bring during this time bring online into being for these retailers who only have online now as a revenue stream learn the processes refine them improve them professionalize them make sure the customers uh, are, are integrated into their lifestyle then i think that the the future of click and collect is is very strong if you add in home delivery onto that, it, uh, you know there's some clear rules. You you need small cube, high margin, and restricted geography to to try and make uh, the effective the last mile element of that offer uh, pay. And typically, customers don't offer don't don't buy your small small uh, cube uh, high margin product. They they dip around in the things that you don't want them to buy to, to make profit on uh, home delivery. So, uh, and to the point that um, John made about, you know, if you're looking at, if you're as a retailer, you're expecting to do your own delivery and you haven't got, you know, any sense of scale so You are in a truck and it's, diving around your your town trying to do two deliveries and then rushing back and picking up my next deliveries and go out and doing two deliveries this is incredibly expensive even down my leafy boulevard i regularly get a fedex a ups purolator and maybe a Canpar every day and they're dealing with h- potentially hundreds of retailers trying to access my neighborhood imagine what that might look like if all those parcels were delivered by individual trucks I, I would uh, be complaining to my local municipal, municipality, I suspect. But I think that as we stand today, I think doing home delivery, unless you want to lose a lot of money very quickly, I think retailers really need to focus into this This click and collect. And the advantage or benefit to me is that it brings people to the store and it allows store management to start to own this process. And the whole thing should work in in, in in a in like a, in harmony as opposed to where it possibly has been in the past where it's it's very disjointed and disconnected and you know, it, everyone's sort of beating inside each other. We're talking about cannibalization, you know, online's cannibalizing stores and, you know, getting into awful lava about that when actually this is a golden opportunity to bring it all together and say, "Here, stores, we're bringing all the stuff to your store. You can, and your customers can either come into the store and buy or you can just deliver it effectively on a bopis or curbside uh, click and collect process.
1: You know, and I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, too, other people, um, there's there's a lot of talk done on, you know, networks like LinkedIn and everything like that. People talking about long supply chains, talking about, oh, look, the reliance that we have on other countries. You know, that's not untrue, you know, but often people forget the fact that, well, a lot of those decisions are made because of the fact that, Time and again, people are voting that they want to pay less. They want to get a little bit more for their money, right? That dollar is being ever stretched. So, you know, a lot of those decisions about where something is manufactured, where it comes from, where, you know, what, what options are there, are they they all roll in, right? In terms of the the offer that a a retailer can make, things like, you know, for for people, if if click and collect wouldn't work then you should almost be able to make the argument that physical retail for the most part wouldn't work and all that goes away. And if all that infrastructure went away and all of those jobs and all of that experience, that potential to shop went away, you know, would people be more satisfied or not? Click and collect in my mind is a way to bridge the gap between being able to go into the store and still provide you with the convenience of online um, in a way that allows the retailer to still exist, right? Because the reality is none of them are going to be able to survive if they're all losing money. So they, you know, they need to be able to make money. They need to be able to pay their staff. They need to be able to run those, those businesses. How then they use them is up to them, right? I mean, click and collect plays really well into the idea of thinking of your stores, not just as stores, but as fulfillment centers, which means that then you could have, hyper um, localization, you know, what is very popular by people in this particular area that I'm going to, you know, in this store, if you go to some of the retailers now, you'll notice that they say um, that they do have clothing that represents the city or the region or the part of the town that they're in. So, I mean, I think that it's an ability to leverage your stores, make them do more than what, you know, they traditionally were used to doing or expected to doing um, and, and bridge that gap between this notion of centralized warehousing and, or, or smaller scale warehousing. I mean, Amazon's talking about, Oh, we're, we're making smaller warehouses uh, closer to communities. I mean, the things are still hundreds of thousands of square feet. These aren't exactly small buildings that they, that they're talking about, you know, in order to ramp up the speed. So, you know, I think click and collect plays an interesting op- you know, it, it's got an interesting role in how do we want our future to look? How do we want to support our communities? How do we meet people's need and desire for um, convenience and and ease and simplicity when they want it? Um, You know, I'm not omni channel, the idea is thrown around a lot, you know, it's a buzzword and stuff like that, but I mean, it really is. I mean, people, depending on their particular situation, that day, that week, that year, whatever it could be, will have a different choice. So you do have to offer them uh you do have to offer them all but at the same time i think that where retailers are not being careful is that i think that they're being very reactive it's either in store or online and you know like gary pointed out multiple times that's really where there's that big shift because COVID is showing us that even the best the best in the world are are struggling with um you know keeping up with, with a huge surge or management i mean it be interesting, a lot of people just don't really know what the warehouse world is like and all of that picking and all of that product that flow and and i think that that's where a lot of some of these ideas or or feelings you know about well oh, i'm just going to order it online it's like there's a big machine that makes home delivery possible uh you just don't usually see it
2: i think that just just um one of the things that uh we have to address and we probably have to just uh, surface is stock accuracy This is critical to giving confidence to the consumer that when I place my order, it will be, you know, it won't be cross substituted. When I'm looking at what's available in terms of SKUs and also quantities and it says only six left, sir. You go, right, I'm going to have two of those. Uh, I want to know I'm going to have two of those because I've ordered two. I don't want substitutes. I don't want shorts. So. The, the, the critical thing of all retailers uh, having to face up, should face up to, and, and, you know, something like click and collect could really uh, encourage people to think more clearly about stock accuracy, because you want to make sure that when the customer comes, they're picking up what they've ordered, not substitutes, not shorts.
1: You know, and the, the funny thing about that is that, um, you know, people will use that as a big criticism of click and collect. They're like, oh, this is, you know, look what happened. This is what happened. The, the reality is that for the majority of retailers, the only reason why that doesn't happen when you're on their website is because, like Gary said, they treat the businesses separately. Well, that's not too hard if I have one warehouse or two warehouses that I'm funneling orders to and my inventory picture is just for that warehouse that I ship out of. Um, you know, I, I, I don't believe that. The lack of innovation or the inability to create holistic inventory systems, um, you know, should be should be the, the benchmark that's being used to measure how well something can be executed. Um, you know, there's lots of opportunity for improvement in those areas because, you know, when a customer, whether it's online, click and collect, or realistically even wanting to go into the store, if your website says I have X on the shelf or I have X in the store, it should be there. You know, that that's the expectation, that's the promise you're making when you. Put that message across the stream.
0: Thank you so much for being on the segment today. Uh, we're speaking today with Gary Newbury. He's one of Canada's top retail supply chain strategists and a, a serial transformation executive. And we've also got uh, John McClymont. He's a supply chain and operations prof- uh, operations professional. And uh, we were talking today about Click and & Collect and uh, the future in uh, Canadian retail. So uh, for more information uh, on these guys, uh, you can connect with them on LinkedIn. You can go to our podcast page for further information. And I uh, hope everyone is doing well, staying safe, and ideally staying indoors when possible during this time thank you so much again everyone take care bye for now